Major Lindsay and Africa presents Bouncing Back, conversations about resilience for lawyers. Welcome to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. This podcast is brought to you by Major, Lindsay, and Africa, the global leader in legal search and consulting. I'm your host, Rebecca Glasser. I'm a managing director in the associate practice group at Major, Lindsay, and Africa. In this podcast, you'll hear me speak to successful professionals about the hiccups, bumps, bruises, and setbacks they've experienced in their careers and personal lives. And you'll learn how they ultimately bounce back from these experiences to thrive. Today, my guest is Jason Estevez. Jason is a Vice President of Legal Affairs at Equifax, one of the three largest consumer credit reporting agencies in the U.S. At Equifax, Jason leads the handle of sensitive disputes, incidents, and investigations. Prior to joining Equifax, Jason was an associate at the law firm McKenna, Long, and Aldridge, now Bittens, here in Atlanta, and he's a graduate of Emory University School of Law. In addition to his role at Equifax, Jason also serves as board chair and as a representative to the Atlanta Public Schools Board of Education. In addition, he serves on the boards of the Georgia Association of Latino Elected Officials and the Latin American Association. Jason, thank you for being my my guest today. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, So you recently mentioned to me that one of the most difficult experiences of your professional career was surrounding the Atlanta Public School Board not renewing the most recent school superintendent's contract. Um, For those of our listeners who are not from Atlanta or not from Georgia or don't have a good um, knowledge of that situation, would you go ahead and explain um, kind of what, what was happening in your position and all of it? Yeah, so um, uh, I was was chair, I am chair of the board, and uh, we had a superintendent who had been in place uh, for about five, almost six years, uh, that came on just as I joined the school board back in 2014. Um, And uh, she was a, a popular superintendent, and uh, as time went on, uh, the board wanted to go in a different direction. And I, as chair, had to lead that transition um, from uh, from her leadership to to the current superintendent leadership. And during that process, the, the most difficult piece was uh, telling the then superintendent that we were not going to renew her contract um, and that we were going to move on. And because of of her status in the community um, and uh, because of um, some the attention that she was receiving, it was a very public thing that was all over the news here in Atlanta. Um, yes. and everyone knew about it. <laughs> and yes. because I was chair I was chair of the board, everyone saw my face associated with our collective decision uh, to move on from the then superintendent. And uh, just to give you a little bit of context, the Atlanta School Board is comprised of nine elected officials. And um, 
elected every four years. We have a very diverse group of people uh, on that board. And as board chair, I'm the official spokesman of, of the, the school board. So it, for me, you're, you're trying to transition uh, leadership while at the same time wrangling cats because you have nine different board personalities on, uh, on a school board. And then you also have the superintendent and all 10 of us make the governance team of the school system. Uh, so right. that, that very public um, challenge, that very public transition was definitely the hardest thing I've gone through professionally uh, so far. Yeah, and um, you know, again, for those listeners who are not from Georgia or Atlanta, uh, you know, Atlanta's the capital of Georgia. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, from a population perspective, we're talking about, um, you know, the largest city in the state that this governing board governs over thousands of um, school-age students and their parents, uh, in addition to the nine board members and the superintendent had uh, opinions about what you guys were doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, there's Atlanta proper and then there's Fulton County. That's the county that Atlanta sits in. And these are two separate things, but, um, you know, for the uninitiated, they're sort of part and parcel of one. They get confused, I think, on a regular basis by the public. You know, Fulton County is separate from Atlanta and Fulton County's school board is separate from Atlanta school board. But um, there's this tendency, especially for those that live in the suburbs, to kind of just mix the whole thing together um, and then not sort of have a strong understanding of the two things. Um, and uh, I also know that this particular superintendent, um, you know, had her her cheerleaders and, and those that didn't, you know, feel as excited and happy about um, different things that she were, was doing. Um, and there's a lot of sort of high-profile situations with regarding property and um, Atlanta City Council. So there's a lot going on and you got to be the like speaking piece and the earpiece for um, this very high profile political um, board. I take from our previous discussions that this was the first time you experienced being in, in like a media hot box, if you will, like, you know, being yeah. having your face on the front page of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is our local newspaper, um, and regularly being on the nightly news, all three of the main channels, <laughs> um, yeah. 2, 5, and 11, for, for those of you who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, not familiar with our area. Um, and so did anyone prepare you? Did you kind of know from old school board members or other people like what was going to happen or was it kind of a shock to the system to no. speak? It, it, it is so to add a little bit more context and you and you laid out the context very well um but a couple additional things was that while we're in a political space Right, we're we're talking about a school board of elected officials. You have a superintendent that is hired by those school board members, uh, but who is also very much a public official. Um, but you also have the fact that she's also our employee. So there's yes. the employee-employer relationship, where we can't necessarily freely talk 
<laughs> about, right. right? You know, our issues, right? We can't, <laughs> yeah. talk, we right. can't talk about certain things, just like any other traditional employment uh, relationship. Now, to answer your question, no, nothing prepared me for this, because <laughs> what what made it for those who who don't know, what made it extremely difficult to transition leadership in this situation was that the outgoing superintendent was publicly saying, I don't want to go. The yeah. school board is making the wrong decision. <laughs> so right. typically, and, and Rebecca, I, I surveyed school board members across the country <laughs> anecdotally, and no one, I mean, it, that situation never happened. Never right. happened. Right. Um, so this is uh, a little bit unprecedented on top of being just fraught, <laughs> politically fraught, personally right. fraught. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I should also, just to give a little more color to the listeners at home, um, this school board superintendent was uh, highly praised on her way in um, at various points during her tenure, was, you know, um, unanimously um, lauded as being, you know, the right fit and, you know, various things changed, obviously, in the ensuing years, which is, you know, why um, the board decided not to renew her contract and decided to go in a different direction. So that I'm sure added to the, t the tension, the fact that you all legally could not speak on it um, also and, and respond to what she was saying um, made things extremely difficult. I um, read some articles um, in the AJC about this whole situation and I know there were parents saying, you know, this board is spineless, they need to tell us in public what, why they made their decisions and as you aptly pointed out and all the lawyers listening will totally understand um you know being her employer you know legally prevents you from doing some of those things um, or, or or creates a liability situation um if you were to respond so you know yeah i had to take those hits particularly as a spokesperson um but the ajc also reported on the fact that within days of our announcement uh, of not renewing we received a letter from her attorney telling us we couldn't talk and say certain things, <laughs> threatening right. legal action, which, <laughs> right. which further, right. you know, kind of caused us to uh, not be able to say much. So yes, we were, I was caught particularly as, as the, the face of this, this whole thing. I, I was in a very precarious position where I would absolutely love to have said more, but for many reasons, I couldn't. So the only position I could take was just to, to say what I could and then just take the hits, <laughs> take right, right. the public take beating. The That's right, right. Uh, and, and again, for the listeners, you know, um, this is Jason's other job. <laughs> Jason has a <laughs> Uh, Some would say part-time uh, job. Yeah, right. I don't know what I, I don't know. Like, I'm like I'm trying to decide. You know what the approach. You know, is APS really part-time or is it just a second full-time job? Um, and you are a husband, and you are a father of two young children, and so I mean I can't imagine. You know what it's like to be dealing with all of this. I was curious. You know how your how your wife and kids 
reacted to all of this as an initial matter? Um, you know, did you prepare them? Were they prepared? Did you try to shield them from all of this mess? Well, look, my, my, luckily my kids were young enough to not even know what was happening. And <laughs> for all you parents out there, you know, you could have, you could be having the worst day ever and your kids not realize it and just like, as soon as you walk in the door, run at you and jump at you and you have to yep. receive them like you're not having the worst day in the world. <laughs> um, so, so in, in many ways, my kids helped balance me. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of that. Um, yes. and, then, and then my wife, you know, she, she was fully supportive. She tries not to get into the politics and the political world. Um, she, she tries, and, and I appreciate that because I think it would be too much for all, for us to talk, you know, public service too much. Um, so she, yes. she, she knows, she knew, she knows where my heart is. She knows where, um, she, she understood the why and, you know, she lived, she lives this with me each and every day. So right. for her, right. she knew she understood more than the average person and also at the same time understood that her husband was uh, in this challenging situation. So all she did was do a very good job of supporting me and, and you know, not not focusing too much on on this issue and making light of the fact that there's so much more going on, including my my professional career, my, right. my job exactly. at Equifax. That's right, which which brings me to my next question. So, um, you know, <laughs> you're maintaining two jobs and I, I should, was the um, data breach at Equifax happening at the same, was there overlap? Like, were you having two really stressful moments or were things a little calmer in the moment? You know, I, I really oh, just God. distracted thing. Um, but Equifax, as many people know, unfortunately had to deal with some some of its own um, fallout from from a data breach not too long ago that was very public, and so I was curious: were were both you know uh, things on fire at the same time, or was one a little bit calmer for you while the other one was on fire? For, fortunately, not. Fortunately, um, the incident at Equifax happened a, a couple of years earlier, and it was dying down by the time Good. that this that this occurred. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate how that that kind of timing works yeah. out, um, yeah. where you that, don't have too many too big much. fires burning at the same time. <laughs> right, right. That would have just been probably too much. But um, curious about how Equifax handled the fact that you had this, you know, very public, very political, and and let's be honest, like personally draining. You you knew all the players. You know all the players. Um, you know, I'm sure you had your own feelings about all of this um, that went down with APS. And so you, you know, are again, biting your tongue and then you're also and, and taking punches in the media, very public punches in the media um, and probably private punches um, too. I'm sure you got letters and phone calls and texts and that sort of thing. Um, and, and then you gotta go to work in the morning. Yep. You know, you've gotta pick yourself up and go perform um, and do your job as an attorney at Equifax. And I was wondering, you know, how they 
um, kind of handled that and supported you and, um, you know, in this sort of trying time? Yeah, and, and I have to shout out my Equifax colleagues for all that they do uh, for me personally, but also just professionally. Um, you know, I, I have always, from the beginning of my career, starting with McKenna, Long, and Aldridge uh, when I was an associate there, I've always tried to keep whatever I'm doing community service or public service-wise, keep that separate from yeah. my professional career. So yeah. even when I ran for, for office, I tried to keep those two worlds separate. And at Equifax, I, I do the same thing. I, I try not to bring the APS world into the Equifax world. Um, yes. So, and, and, I, and I pride myself on that because I, I don't want any codependency. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't want to be dependent um, on, on a, an elected position. And, and at the same time, I, I don't want uh, that elected position to necessarily get me anywhere. Right, like that. Yeah. I, I don't want there to be any kind of incentives on either side. Yeah. And be, be, because I approach it that way, the good thing about this is, and many of the folks listening may may agree with this, a lot of folks just don't pay attention to the politics. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, while there are some senior folks at the company that were paying attention, um, a, a lot of folks a lot of my colleagues, my coworkers were just, were not. Uh, they would see my face on the, on the TV and would think it was just another, you know, day, day at the APS office, <laughs> at the APS board <laughs> office. Yes. They, they didn't think twice. Um, I, I also had uh, senior leaders um, talk to me and, and just make sure that I was okay, which I, I appreciated and to offer their advice. Um, but for the most part, that's, that's what it, that's all it was, was just support. And, um, I, I continued to do my work. I, I, yeah. I, at no point felt the need to act like, or carry on as if I was in a crisis. When I was at work, I was at work. And right. if I needed to step away to, to handle something, uh, APS related, I did that. But yes. I, I kept I, I kept going as if nothing was happening, and, and that's how I carry myself in in normal times, and that's how I, I try to carry myself in times of crisis as well. And and I think that yeah. that uh, that helps me when it comes to you know when you're when you're in a situation like that, if my two worlds were connected, right? It, it, I would I would probably have a much different re response to your question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you made these very clear lines for yourself, um, you know, prior to and and, and like you said, it, it kind of helped you going through through a difficult um, scenario. You know, in addition to that takeaway of like, you know, if you've got um, extracurriculars, if you will, um, you know, keeping those things very separate so they don't affect your work and vice versa. Um, what what other takeaways, um, you know, would you let's say share with your kids from that, you know, being in that sort of, again, hot box uh, experience of being, you know, on the front page of the, of the AJC and, and seeing your face on the news every night, um, you know, any, any sort of other lessons that you learned from that experience? 
Yeah, I, I would say I would say two things. One, um, I would say there, there's there's always there's always the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. The the end of the tunnel will always come, <laughs> no yes. matter how long it takes. Uh, yes. Every crisis comes to an end. Yes. And it may feel like you're in the middle of a hurricane, um, an endless hurricane. At some point, you get out on the other side. And yeah. if you if you stay true to yourself, if you uh, keep your head down and do the work, whatever that work is, right? But if you if you just keep your head down and stay focused on the end goal, um, it it will be okay, no matter how many uh, hits, whether it's mentally or personally or professionally, whatever it is, no matter no matter the hits, you'll get through. On the other side, so that's the first thing I, I would say. Um, yeah. The other thing, the other thing I would say is that going going along with the just doing the work when when you have that that sense of optimism, when you have that um, that like I talked about before, I kept I keep my professional career and my whole life separate. I continue to work at, at Equifax, worked hard. Uh, I, I tell folks that um, the day after the announcement of um, the, the board's decision not to renew the contract and I was all over the news and I was stressed out, I was barely sleeping, um, a senior leader at the company, emailed me. I'm on the legal team. Emailed me, and wanted me to come see her um, the next day. And I thought, Rebecca, that this was this was it. <laughs> this was this was the time where both of my worlds collide, right? Um, and here here I am, you know, thinking through my talking points and like, you know here's why the board decided this and here's why you know while i am on the news every day it's not it's not me personally it's aps <laughs> i was coming i was trying to think through all kinds of all kinds of <laughs> yeah. uh things to say to her because i was like oh this is it um yeah yeah they're they're gonna tell me i either need to leave the company or you know quit uh the, the school board and right. I, I walk in to the to the to her office, and she asked, "How am I doing?" And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking like stressed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, I responded, "I'm okay," and asked how she was doing. We did some small talk, and then she she hands me a job description and says, "Hey, wanted to talk to you about this opportunity." And in my hands is an opportunity to grow from my, the the position that I had at the time it was it was essentially a promotion and am i and, and I'm thinking while I'm sitting there like how how amazing for this to be happening yeah in my professional career at the yeah. same time that my public life feels like it's it, it's in shambles. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. in crisis mode in one area, 
But in the other area, you know, here's this amazing opportunity. Yeah. And and to me, for, for folks who, no matter what the crisis is, whether it's a public issue or, or a private issue, you know, when when you're when when you you're staying focused and you have you you keep doing what you love you keep doing other things it will be okay and, and that may be just me being over over optimistic but I have a personal story to tell about that and I know countless other people big or small may not be a promotion of a job uh, you know may not be front page of a newspaper issue but they have stories of, you know, some of the best things that happen, happen at the worst times and vice versa. Uh, yes. So. And, and to your point, you know, um, I can't help but wonder, and I'm, I'm curious if you've wondered this as well, you know, if perhaps seeing you perform and perform well and represent yourself and APS well in the public arena somehow influenced, um, you know, their thinking about, you know, promoting you to senior VP or, or was that, did that have nothing to do with it? Um, I'm, I'm curious if that's something you've asked yourself or you've asked them, um, you know, if one thing impacted the other, or again, like you said, you've kept such a clear sort of line of demarcation. Maybe it was a non, a non-issue. I was curious about that, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I don't think the incident itself had, the, the crisis itself had some, something to do with that. Uh, but certainly, as, as, a, as a leader on the APS board, I'm honing and developing skills that I exhibit at work, yeah. right? Talking, talk, yeah. being able to talk to senior leaders is easier for me than, than other people. And it's because yeah. I talk to a lot of senior leaders across the city <laughs> right. each and every day. Right. And, yeah. and I've, I've been in, in those rooms. So, you know, th that kind of, uh, of, of muscle that, that um, junior associates or uh, mid-level associates are, are, are trying to work at, I work constantly in my, in, in my public life. So, yeah. um, so did the fact that I was promoted have something to do with um, the skills that I've attained while on the school board? Absolutely, because I think yeah. I've been able to work at at at, at a skill set um, that lends itself towards being a being a leader, whether it's in on the school board or at work. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, that that makes complete internal sense. And to your point, you know, um, folks in law firms don't necessarily, depending on their position, especially if they're like junior associates, don't necessarily get the opportunity to flex those muscles. Um, you know, oftentimes, at least in the very beginning of their career, it's you know, the marching orders come from above, and you know, do this assignment or do this thing. Um, and they may not be talking to clients directly and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, to your point, you know, you, you definitely had your share of opportunity to speak to people senior to you, you know, numerically older than you, 
um, people who've been perhaps around Atlanta politics for a very long time, especially in the beginning, and you know, might have thought you were a little upstart, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so, handling those different situations where the power dynamic um, may not have been in your favor, at least in the beginning, um, you know, is 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 something that's an art form. It's an art and it's a science. Um, and it sounds like you've honed that really well. Um, that kind of brings me to, you know, sort of another question of, you know, for the folks who are listening, who want to make the leap from law firm to in-house, um, and, and we often see as recruiters, you know, this need for what I call soft skills, you know, it's, it's not, do you know this particular area of the law, or can you write a brief, or can you create, you know, this transactional document, but it's, you know, can you take a sort of complicated legal idea and convey it to a business person, you know, an internal client, or, you know, how do you <laughs> tell someone no um, and, and explain to them why, you know, doing X, Y, or Z, um, you know, creates a legal problem. Um, that skill is highly coveted in the in-house world. <laughs> Um, and in my experience, can be difficult to come by, you know, candidates who have that. Um, any advice for the listening audience who, you know, really wants to go in-house but maybe um, hasn't had an opportunity to hone those skills yet? Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds it sounds like I'm sure something that people at firms have heard before, but I've always felt like uh, being engaged in other activities outside of the legal world have have helped me attain skills that that are helpful for the business world, helpful for being in house. Yeah. Um, when you're when when you're at a law firm, you know you're you're drafting briefs, you're drafting contracts you don't have as much exposure to the non-legal person, particularly as an associate. Um, yes. You don't have as much exposure to the client, particularly the bigger clients. You don't have uh, as much uh, exposure and insight into kind of what they're thinking and, and what the average person, because lawyers aren't average. <laughs> lawyers are, are, are special All people. type A go-getters. Go yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what I try to tell folks is to expose themselves as much as they can to normal people, just not for fun, but like actually doing work, whether that's community service, community work, whether that's uh, whatever it is. Expose yourself to non-lawyer things where you're actually um, working with people who are not lawyers and you know and and whether you want to say a law firm that can be considered honing your business development skills right because you're broadening your network but even yeah. as even as an in-house lawyer you're relied upon for legal advice you're relied upon for risk assessment and just the analytical thinking that lawyers have honed uh, from law school and, and their experience. We don't get to flex that as much when you hang around too many lawyers. <laughs> you yeah, do, you do get to flex that. You do get to flex that when you're hanging around non-lawyers. 
because yeah. they're going to rely on you for the type of advice that you would be giving in-house. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great advice. That's super helpful. Um, transitioning to a sort of related topic, topic, speaking of, you know, skills we hone over time, um, you know, I think you bounced back beautifully from that uh, experience with APS and, um, you know, the timing, you know, couldn't have been better, I think, um, in, in, your, in your career and in your trajectory. Um, you know, when, when social scientists think about and discuss um, people who are resilient and, and, and have strong resilient skills and bounce back from difficult experiences, um, you know, one of the things that they talk about is people usually have seen um, resilience either demonstrated to them before by, you know, someone they know, lo they love or know or close to, a mentor, a parent, that sort of thing, or they have some sort of experience in their youth um, that, you know, creates resilience in them, um, whether they were bullied or um, had some sort of, you know, illness or that sort of thing. Um, I was curious how your um, strength, your resilience, your ability to bounce back, wh where that comes from for you, Jason? Uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would say it comes from my mom, without a doubt. Uh, she is a single mother who raised two kids. Um, my parents divorced when I was 13, my sister was 11, and my mom had to pick up everything and become an, an, a, a, a single mom. And yeah. um, not only did she pick up everything and, and leave, but we left town and went to a city uh, and I'm from Columbus, Georgia, but we moved from Columbus to Orlando, a place where she didn't, she didn't know anyone. Wow. And a place where uh, it was an escape for her, but it was also a challenge for her because she had to work three jobs at one point to make sure that she was making ends meet for, for all of us. And yes. throughout that experience, um, her sense of optimism never left. Even when I saw her cry, even when she, I knew she was having a tough day, she was always optimistic and always um, wiping away those tears for us. And yeah. and I carry that with me each and every day. And you know, she has um, she has Alzheimer's now, and I'm her caretaker, so it, it's, it, it's even challenging for me to see her today and even answer that question because, um, you know, I, I've seen how the disease has taken so much away from her, um, but her resilience is, is an example that not only I've grown, I noticed and learned from and have as a result, become who I am today, uh, but is something that I hope I can give to my children. Yes, definitely. Well, it definitely sounds like she left her mark uh, on you, and uh, you know, this is certainly skills that can be uh, passed from generation to generation. It sounds like she did a wonderful 
wonderful job um, of doing that. I'm continually impressed with how you manage so many different things so well, Jason. So uh, she definitely, <laughs> I'm like, I think you have three or four jobs right now, maybe five. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I won't count. I won't count. Several. And you know what? The the other thing she she also instilled in me public service and giving back to the community and being grateful for what you have and reaching back and and helping and helping others. Um, even even when she was working three three jobs and was barely home uh, while I was in high school because she worked all those jobs. Um, you know she was still volunteering she was still giving to those who were lower income than her um she was still doing all these things and i would actually at that time i was like why <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you why are you donating to this drive we barely have anything like why are you giving money to this you, yeah. you barely have any like i was questioning her as as a as a you know dumb high school kid um and and her her answer is we're blessed, and because we're blessed, we have to we have a responsibility. Yeah. Um, and that and that stuck with me. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. One last question for you, Jason, as we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, this past year obviously has been difficult for lots of people for lots of different reasons, but uh, in particular, young, newly practicing attorneys, um, I think for many of them, you know, being furloughed or laid off or facing pay cuts, uncertainty about their careers and personal lives, um, you know, for the first time has been a little shocking. I think many of the millennials and Gen Xers in particular were too young to really be impacted by the Great Recession like we were. Um, so many of them don't really have a point of reference for, you know, what's going on right now, um, you know, economically and, 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 you know, with the pandemic and obviously the, the fallout from that is going to be going on for quite some time. Um, what advice do you have, um, you know, for young new attorneys who are experiencing these, you know, hiccups and bumps right now? You know, I, I would say that um, while while it feels like we're in the middle of a hurricane, and, and, and because of how long it's been, it feels like we're in a hell of a long one, um, yes. there, there is a bright sun <laughs> and hopefully a beach on the other side. Um, yes. That that where the the fruits of your labor can be enjoyed, um, and while this may seem bad, um, you know, folks will tell you that 2008 was was a different kind of bad, and other folks will tell you that 2001 and 2002 was a different type of bad, and right. you know, we all have these periods in time where an interruption like this in the legal world happened. Yes. But every time, lawyers and the profession bounce right back. Yeah. Um, so, so the advice that I would give them is is the same kind of advice that I gave earlier. It, stay focused. Continue to do the work of yeah. positioning yourself to to take advantage of the opportunities that you're looking for when the time comes. And we we have no clue when that time is going to be, right? But right. 
if, right. if you're ready, you'll be able to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether yeah do the work be, now. Do the work now. Yeah. In whatever form or shape that takes, whether that's finding a new job or getting those skills or, you know, building a book of business or getting yourself in the right place, um, you know, to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are hopefully coming in uh, the future years. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time um, sharing your experiences with our listeners today. I know that they will get a lot out of your story, just as I have. Um, I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Bouncing Back, Resilience for Lawyers. Join us next time for another story about thriving after overcoming challenges. You can find Bouncing Back and other programming for lawyers on MLA's Legal Talk Network.